0: Introduction Baylor Lugosi starred in a large number of classic Hollywood horror films, most famously the 1931 version of Dracula. He gave one of his greatest performances in Murders in the Rue Morgue, 1932, portraying Dr. Miracle, a mad scientist who supports himself financially by running a carnival sideshow on the subject of evolution. When conversing with the film's young male lead, Dupont, Leon Wakeoff, Miracle explains his situation. He is a man of science, but one faced with the reality of making a living on the road. The tent is my home, he declares. That line of dialogue speaks very much to the situation in which Lugosi found himself when World War II came to a close. Largely exiled by the Hollywood studio system, he had to find other kinds of acting jobs. Appearing in the 1945 stage play No Traveler Returns, Lugosi dreamed of a return to the bright lights of Broadway, but that was not to be. Instead, Lugosi had to search for other outlets for his talent. Occasionally it seemed as if yet another of his plays might reach New York, such as Three Indelicate Ladies in 1947, or The Devil Also Dreams in 1950, but none of them did. And Lugosi's role in the film Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, 1948, likely gave him the false impression that his Hollywood career could be resurrected. And so he instead had to hit the road in search of work across the United States. A few of the early Lugosi biographies wrongly gave the impression that his lack of film roles in the late forties meant that he worked very little between 1945 and the spring of 1951, when he left America to embark on a stage tour of Dracula in Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But that version of events is quite false. Indeed, what we hope to do in this book is to rewrite the history of Lugosi's lost years by documenting just how much he did work in the post war era. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, Lugosi made a living in summer stock plays, vaudeville sketches, nightclub acts, personal appearances, radio shows, and television programs. To be sure, Robert Kramer's monumental biography, Lugosi The Man Behind the Cape, Henry Regnery, 1976, Is quite aware that Lugosi found work in the late 40s, with its opening pages discussing his summer stock appearances in Norwich, Connecticut, in 1948. Then Gary D. Rhodes' Lugosi, McFarlane, 1997, chronicled a large number of his forgotten roles from the years 1945 to 1951. So much so that it became the very template for how subsequent biographies like Arthur Lenig's The Immortal Count, The Life and Films of Baylor Lugosi, University of Kentucky Press, 2003, treat the same period. Rather than simply repeat what has been said before, however, we have opted to undertake an exhaustive study of all relevant primary sources that could be located. Our methodology features a combination of approaches, some old and some new. For example, the increasing number of digitized U.S. newspapers has proven quite important for our research. At the same time, we have necessarily relied on research trips to a number of brick-and-mortar archives, carefully undertaking page-by-page examinations of old publications on microfilms. We have also dusted off many forgotten files of yellowing paperwork. In addition, we have had the good fortune to interview a number of persons who met and worked with Lugosi in the late forties, many of them, still alive and well in 2012, have never spoken to previous Lugosi researchers. Collectively, these primary sources have led us to a clear and rather unavoidable conclusion about Bela Lugosi's career. Our argument is that he was extremely busy between 1945 and 1951, far more so than has ever been understood. Though Lugosi yearned for many projects that did not materialize, his career was hardly over or even stalled. In fact, while his days as a film star were behind him, Lugosi was never busier during his entire life in America than during the years 1945 to 1951.